Yeah, let's do it. Data-centric podcast. Data-centric podcast. We are not at Mobile World Congress. We don't have to because we're data-centric. We don't have to be there. We are data-centric. We're not mobile-centric. That's right. So, Matt, we've had a lot of different topics on the podcast just this year. We've had Edge. We've had Server. We've had uh, last time was Cloud Native. Yeah. Uh, This week, we're going to talk about storage. Matt, today we're joined by uh, Jeff Denwork. Jeff is CMO and one of the co-founders of Vast Data. Now, if you haven't heard of Vast, then you don't work in storage. These guys came out of nowhere, it seemed like, uh, and, and have really shaken up the status quo. And just this week, Vast uh, released some details about its growth, and we'll talk about that. But before we get to that, uh, I want to start off by asking you this, Jeff. So it's 2016. Uh, we're kind of in the heart of the all-flash revolution, right? The storage industry's uh, being shaken up from within. And you guys get together and decide uh, that you can do something different and better. What were you guys thinking when uh, when you got together to, to uh, you know, shake up the storage establishment? It's true. When we started, uh, I think it was kind of the middle or, or towards the end of what, you know, I like to refer to as the flash wars that were happening uh, in the early ter- 2010s, um, you had companies like uh, Pure Storage and EMC uh, and you know the Solid Fire team that subsequently got acquired into NetApp. All these companies were, were basically going to battle with each other, talking about the all-flash data center. And so you would think, you know, to your point, Steve, I think, you know, if you go back to 2016, what's the point of starting another flash company when those wars have already been fought. And our realization was that there was a lot of marketing hyperbole uh, in in the kind of the discourse at the time. And every single one of these companies was talking about the all flash data center. And at the same time, they were partnering with hard drive based systems vendors for things like archive and backup and all this other stuff. So, you know, when we, we looked at it, we realized that nobody was really addressing flash for the capacity tier. <clears throat> and so, you know, at the time that was like 90% of the data in the data center. And the price point was about 30 times X, 30X what people would pay for hard drive storage to, to buy a flash system. So it just didn't make sense from a practicality perspective for people to make that transition. And what we concluded is that, you know, by inventing a new systems architecture, we could um, we could close that gap and we could build a system that customers could afford to put all of their data on. And the thinking was, well, you know, the need for fast data access only grows over time as you have big data applications. Uh, and as you have these new machine learning and, and deep learning applications that come into the market, people are realizing that they now have <clears throat> anywhere between five to 10 times more data than they did uh, just a few years ago. And at the same time, the machinery that needs to process on this data is just getting massive. And so if you can take away the constraints from getting to that data, then the the supposition was we could build a really successful storage company. So what did what did you do different than, than uh, uh, you know, the more established players? We at times will be historians. And if you look at the landscape of storage for the last 30 years or so, You'll find that if you go back 30 years, people were largely consuming what you think of as dual controller architectures, where yes. you have two machines that share a bunch of devices and can fail over and fail back against each other. 
<clears throat> there's been some very successful products that kind of express that that architecture out into the market. Uh, and then in 2003, Google released a white paper uh, about the Google file system. They said, oh, you don't have to build storage like that anymore. People can now build distributed clusters, commodity nodes with a bunch of devices in them, and you scale out your capacity and your performance by just cobbling together a bunch of these nodes. And the irony is, while it's called shared nothing, the reality is that all these nodes need to communicate with each other as updates happen to a namespace or as you, know, you want to read data or rebuild data. It's just a ton of east-west traffic within the system. And if you look at both of those styles of architectures, neither were born in the age of Flash. Now, there's been many Flash products that have come out that have kind of married to those architectures. Uh, and we realized that there was a, a few fundamental changes that had taken place or were about to take place around the 2015, 2016 timeframe. Uh, the emergence of a new storage protocol called NVMe over fabrics that allows you to disaggregate the CPUs from the underlying storage. And as opposed to having you know, two controllers that access a collection of disks, you could have 2,000. And you could build a very, very low latency network that allows each of those machines to access all of the underlying storage devices simultaneously. Um, we call this a disaggregated and shared everything architecture. And inherent to that architecture is a new approach to managing flash, both from the perspective of enabling really low cost flash. Uh, the types of drives that, that we're supporting now are the same drives that you'd find in some of the hyperscale data centers, people that are buying high, high, high capacity flash. Um, but the other consideration is we, re we realized you could build some new data reduction algorithms that just get so much more efficiency from data than um, what you could previously. And the way to best describe what we've invented is a new approach to reducing data that is not deduplication, nor is it compression, but it basically combines the best of both of those approaches into something that would be similar to like global compression. We call this similarity-based data reduction. And even if you've compressed your data or even encrypted it in certain cases, when you store it onto our system, we end up taking that data and reducing it down even further so that customers just get a lot more free space for their investment. And if you kind of put all this stuff together, like hyperscale flash, uh, you know, very robust, but also low cost data protection algorithms, new efficiency codes, we put it all together. The blended cost per gigabyte in 2022 actually is equivalent to what people would pay for a mix of flash and hard drives within their data center. And, and that's a that's a story that that I that's resonated with IT, right? If I if I remember this correctly, it took about two years to to deliver your first product, uh, and and you went big in a hurry. Talk about uh, you know what were some of your early wins? I was the first hire on the go to market team, mm -hmm. and um, you know we didn't have a lot of salespeople, we didn't have a lot of product managers or anything like that. So it was pretty much just me and Renan, our CEO, just running out and talking to customers. And we were just all over the market. I remember, you know, there was a storage company that launched and said, we, we put out a survey to 500 customers and they responded with what they needed from a storage perspective. We actually went and talked to 500 customers. That, that by the way, that takes a lot, a lot of airline miles and things like that. Um, and in every story that we told, it took 90 minutes. I wouldn't take a meeting less than 90 minutes just because I couldn't explain all the new concepts. Uh, and a lot of what we're doing is changing people's philosophy around data and around infrastructure. 
And at the end of almost every one of those meetings, the customers would raise their hand and say, we want one of these as soon as we can get it. So it felt really good. We had about 25 um, beta customers before we got out of the gate. Uh, we didn't have to hire any salespeople for quite some time because we just had so much pent up demand. Uh, and then we brought in the salespeople, the kind of the flywheel continued. And so some of our earliest customers were um, both life sciences organizations, people that were just dealing with tons of both uh, last generation and next generation genomic data. They were starting to wrestle with things like GPUs and how to get more efficiency from their pipelines. And Flash was, um, was, was an obvious choice for them. And our biggest uh, customer in the earliest days, they, they bought about a seven petabyte system before we even had our website online, which wow. you know, if you compare to other Flash companies, that was more than they would sell in total in, across a year. Yeah. And we were just moving pretty big um, quantities of the stuff before we were in, out into the public. Uh, and the other, and, and I think both of these orders um, kind of put some, some balls in motion. The other order that we received was from a large hedge fund that bought um, bought about five petabytes. Okay. And um, both of these um, kind of verticals or use cases ended up be becoming heavily repeated within the company where we now call some of the world's largest diagnostic uh, genomics companies, some of the world's largest population studies customers like the Veterans Administration has a program called the Million Veteran Program where they're sequencing the genomes of a million veterans they're a customer of ours. But the bigger play has been in the hedge fund space where we have just seen such an aggressive adoption of our product. Customers, our biggest customer, um, that first hedge fund that I mentioned, has subsequently acquired uh, about 250 petabytes of, uh, of infrastructure that we're, we're managing now. And so that's just a, like, that's more than a lot of large investment banks uh, yeah. would manage in total. Okay. And so we have a number of these. Yeah, well, hedge fund. I mean, that that's an industry that lives on lives on its data, and and you know, time to insight from that data can can make a real difference in their bottom line. Um, that's right. Uh, you, you've They're also grown. very demanding, but also very frugal. So you have kind of like both ends of the spectrum. You sure. need to deliver an enterprise capability, but at the same time. You have kind of this scepter of frugality hanging over your head the whole time, and they're pretty good at negotiating. <laughs> um, well, clearly, you you've broken out of of the niche of of, of servicing those segments, right? Because this week you announced some statistics that demonstrated uh, some significant momentum. Yeah, I think if you look at uh, you know your growth, I think is unparalleled for any storage company in today's environment, and certainly enterprise infrastructure. Uh, I think you said you grew 25% over the past quarter with an average, and is this the right number, 12 petabytes per customer? Yeah, that's that's roughly the amount of capacity that each of our customers manage. Um, and that's a spectrum, right? Some customers maybe have a petabyte. Some customers, as I mentioned, are in the hundreds. And so it really is, a, we run the gamut. Um, and, the, you know, a lot of the, the customers that are newer to the kind of the customer portfolio they tend to buy reasonably small to start. Now, there's some exceptions to that, um, where we've gotten you know more than ten million dollars software initial orders. Um, but then you know after they get a taste of this, they end up putting a lot of their different applications on the platform, a lot of their data in the system, and they end up growing their investments throughout the year at an average of three hundred percent from where they started the year. Wow. wow. And to your point, Steve, it is 
far beyond uh, life sciences centers wow. and um, and and hedge funds. We have some of the world's largest streaming services that stream data off of our, or stream their content off of our systems. Some of the largest automotive manufacturers that are doing things like um, deep learning on our platform. Some of the largest, uh, just standard Fortune 1000 enterprises that are using the same system for their data protection and their ransomware right. mitigation efforts. Well, how would you characterize, you know, kind of the sweet spot of your customer base? Is it, I have uh, however many petabytes, 12 petabytes of data, and, and I, have, I need to process <laughs> it quickly? Or uh, wow. where do you where do you want to play? Is there is there a spectrum, a scale of, uh, of the install base? Uh, we, we typically say if you speak in petabyte terms, you're probably a good candidate for best. <laughs> so not every customer needs to be in the multi-petabyte range, but um, the, the licenses that we sell from a software perspective, they tend to start at around a petabyte, which, you know, 10 years ago would have seemed like just a mountain of information, but you've got uh, hyperscalers now sitting on tens or hundreds of exabytes, so... Uh, there's a lot of data out there. So you're experiencing tremendous customer growth. I think that shows the customers like you. You also made the, uh, uh, you didn't just make the Gartner Peer Insights uh, uh, survey, right? You had almost 100% of your uh, customers saying that they'd buy you again. It wasn't almost, it was 100. It was. <laughs> so yeah, 100% of people that, um, you know, were, were, were kind enough to, to respond to this anonymous survey that um, we, we kind of asked them to be participant in. Mm-hmm. All of them said that they would recommend Vast. And so that's not something that um, Gartner had typically observed with the different vendors that they had been uh, kind of working with. And we're really happy about that. So one of these, I want to circle all the way back. You, you described your system as disaggregated, shared everything. Uh, you state your revenue numbers in terms of software. In the early days, though, you sold an appliance, I think, right? A, a, a storage box. Uh, you've moved away from that a little bit. Talk to me about uh, what is Gemini and how does that change you know, how we, how we uh, consume what you're selling? Sure. So um, actually, I think it was a big part of our initial push into the market was having a very prescriptive deployment uh, solution or experience for customers. And I remember meeting with um, uh, a candidate who was working for a software-defined storage company, and he, he asked me, he said, well, what's it like having an appliance? Like, that must be amazing. And the reason for that is that all of his deployments that he was doing in his company then, they were all integration projects, customers trying to figure out how to make these devices work with this servers, this storage, just a mess. And And so... We, in the early days, said we don't want customers to have to be integrators. Um, We want to give them a very simple experience where they can just bring up systems instantaneously. So we made the decision at that time to to, um, ship our software and hardware appliance. Now, fast forward three years later, um, there are some limitations to that business model. And one of the things that we wanted to do was to strip away the considerations that customers have when buying storage and buying software from their, from their vendors, where typically the kind of the old classic model is that a salesperson would come into your office every three years and try to sell you a new array just because they haven't get, gotten paid on their software in some time. And so, you know, with, with Flash, uh, you don't have the same behavior, be, failure behaviors that you would typically have with uh, a classic storage system. And for this reason, we want customers to be able to kind of keep these systems on the floor for up to a decade, but we don't want our salespeople in their offices trying to get them to refresh equipment. And that's why we 
essentially decoupled our business model from anything that was hardware based. And today, this product that we, uh, this offering that we have called Gemini is basically our software that runs on top of a set of hardware solutions that we prescribe and they get shipped from a contract manufacturer, which is Abnet. And so um, our resellers all just buy from Abnet. We get a, a software order as part of this. And what the customer gets is an appliance experience. They don't have to worry about integration or anything like that. It's all done by Abnet. They don't have to worry about configuration. Uh, our team helps them understand what they need to buy. Um, but they get the advantages of that software-defined business model where they can see all of the infrastructure at cost or even below street price because Abnet's kind of buying for all of our customers. Uh, and they can keep the equipment for up to 10 years. And so um, as a result, it just it provides the customers a little bit more knobs to turn and at the same time takes away some of the bad behaviors that you often find with that classic uh, data infrastructure sales model. But they're still dealing with one point of contact and writing one check, right? Oh, well, um, so they deal with our resellers. The resellers okay. buy from uh, a manufacturer, which is Abnet, and mm -hmm. we are the, um, the support interface for everything. Okay, got it. So uh, it's one throat to choke. And the customers like that? They're responding well? Um, well, so that's interesting because a lot of, you know, in, in, in our space, a lot of companies will try to make the transition from that appliance model to software. Mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes that can take years in certain cases. We managed to complete that within about a quarter's time. And so this year's business has been all software. Uh, the gross margins are of what you would expect for a, a software company to be. We don't even have like a lot of SaaS uh, cost of goods in the back end. And as a result, you know, the company is basically only generating cash now. So delivering tremendous momentum. You have an average deal size above a million dollars. Uh, you got a run rate in excess of a hundred million dollars. Uh, I think if I remember this correctly, you, you did a series D uh, last summer where you raised a significant amount of money. So that really just kind of begs the question, what are you spending all that money on? Where are you, where are you taking vast? Uh, well, that's a, that's a whole interesting kettle <laughs> of fish, right? So the, don't don't tell us any is, secrets, but uh, yeah. No, no, uh, I'd have to kill you. I don't want yeah. to do that. Um, okay, so the first consideration is if you think about that million dollar or plus uh, total contract value, that means that from a software perspective, customers are cutting meaningful checks, and we've managed to get to the run rate that we have um, without requiring essentially the company to build a really large sales and marketing team. And so one of the things that we're known for is being extremely cash efficient. And we've kind of cracked this company code where we can grow at phenomenal rates. Last year, we grew uh, 3.8x year over year. But on the flip side, um, we're not burning cash. We actually ended up last year with more cash in the bank than we when we took our Series D funding. Now, that means that we have near infinite runway while we grow the business. And we concluded that at some point, you're just going to have more engineers than you'll have problems to solve with the first space that we were working in, which is um, the kind of the file and object space. And so the product was never intended to just be a storage product. We kind of think about the solution that we'll be offering in a series of acts uh, and acts two through five will essentially work to help customers solve the whole of their data processing, machine learning, deep learning problem uh, in a hybrid cloud world 
in a way where we just take not just the complexity of tiering or things like that as considerations and take them off the table, but we want to take all of the complexity off the table so customers can just get answers from these systems. So, so it's all, it's all about the data. It's not where I'm putting my bits for vast. Well, you know, data is made of bits. <laughs> and so you kind of have yeah. to have one to have the other. So what, what didn't we talk about that you think we should? I, I don't think we talked um, maybe as much about uh, artificial intelligence as uh, I might expect. And, you know, I think sometimes people forget about this because it, it tends to be the da- domain of some very specialized customers in the marketplace today. Um, but we've been tracking it. We've been tracking the, the penetration of different AI projects into the broader enterprise. And we're starting to see some pretty spectacular projects emerge in places that we wouldn't. Uh, for example, we've got customers that are definitely not household name brands that have made over $100 million investments in AI computers, AI storage, AI frameworks, AI networking. Um, and this seems to become becoming more and more popular uh, as you as people start to understand some of these natural language processing models, some of these new computer vision or computer audio models. Uh, and so that's that's pretty exciting. We've got a lot that we're doing with NVIDIA. Uh, NVIDIA is also an investor in the company. Uh, we do a bit of work with the Intel uh, AI team as well. And so um, we're finding that this just generates such uh, an intense need for not only performance from the storage system, but also a ton of capacity uh, because a lot of these these new machine learning models, these deep learning models, they're only as accurate as the amount of experiences that you subject them to. Sure. So, you know, a self-driving car in a perfect world has done every drive on every road uh, all around the world. And obviously it's not practical to build that, but um, people are trying to amass some very large data stores to to solve problems like that. And we've yeah. been a big beneficiary. So it's interesting you bring up AI and NVIDIA. We've had uh, uh, Tony Pikeaday from uh, NVIDIA on the podcast a couple of times, and he is very articulate about, um, you know, one of the, the major challenges uh, of deploying a system like a DGX is keeping those GPUs fed, right? They are data hungry. And NVIDIA invented uh, GPU Direct, which I'm guessing that, that, that uh, you support and engage with. Uh, but, you know, uh, NVIDIA doesn't feel like the storage problem has been solved for AI. So, you know, a different way of thinking, I think, is a natural play there. Yeah, I would say that's true. Uh, we work with Tony a lot, um, and, and we do have support for their new storage protocol, which is GPU direct storage. Um, and the interesting thing is that that's only one part of the equation. What we find is as people start to figure out what to do with these systems, they don't just buy one. They'll buy 10 or they'll buy 20. Some certain cases, uh, we have some customers that have hundreds of these systems. And the question is, you know, how do you keep them all fed simultaneously? And that's where a next generation scalable architecture really can pay tremendous dividends. So by virtue of the fact that we've disaggregated, it means no one machine is the exclusive gatekeeper to any data within the cluster. All the machines can get to all of the data simultaneously. And so you just have this really simple scaling story that comes in with VAST that we find every day customers now starting to say, I can take this to whatever extent that I need to. And I don't have to worry about laws of diminishing returns. I don't have to worry about bottlenecks. Uh, And then on the flip side, you know, we support standard file protocols for most of these workloads. So we basically say you can have NFS at uh, NVIDIA levels of speed 
at greater than super pod levels of scale, why do you need anything else? Why do you need anything else? I think that's a good place to stop. Uh, you teased us a little bit with, with this tiered approach to, uh, to solving the enterprise data problems. I can't wait to see uh, what's coming next. We'll have you back on uh, when you're ready to talk about that. Um, Matt, you're yeah, being very quiet. Do you have a, a, anything? No, I, um, I, I'm fascinated. I, it's, it's amazing to me to see a company, I mean this with all due respect, but a company that is not as mature, it's a little bit younger um, than a lot of the traditional storage companies, makes such a, a wave in the market, especially you know, as I look at the, the list of customers you have and the markets that you've been able to penetrate. I mean, it's, it's, it's fascinating to me. It's a testament as to, to, to your architecture. Thanks. I think I think we also try to think about how to build a smart business, not just a smart storage product. And you know, the the realization as we we started to do the go-to-market planning in the earliest days is that there have been so many companies built to go off and tackle the SMB market first, uh, and that becomes a very expensive um, yeah. proposition, right? Because you don't need a ton of features. You have to outmarket everybody else that's trying to get those eyes and ears. And half of those customers are moving to the cloud. That's right. We looked at it and said, well, yeah. what if we were the warlord? Like, what if we were just going to be the merchant to all of the other cloud <laughs> providers and all the other companies that think of themselves as cloud scale? A, that the sales machine would just be way more uh, efficient from a venture capital perspective, but B, you lay the foundation for long-term viability when you're the basis for future clouds. And so for better or worse, we started there and it seems like it was a pretty good bet to play. Smart move, that's yeah, very smart. What if we were the warlords? I think we got our new tagline, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> hey Jeff, thanks a lot for, for joining us and, uh, and we'll talk again for sure. That's great to talk to you guys. Thanks for having me on. What do you think, Matt, that make you want to go out and buy a vast storage ray? I'll tell you what, man, and I know um, we talked a little bit about it in the uh, in the discussion with them, but it's amazing to me to see a company, especially in a market that you would consider somewhat kind of um, commoditized is the wrong world, right? But a word, but it's so mature and established. It's amazing to see a company come along and find such success in with such prominent customers. Uh, I mean, that's it's so quickly, right? Um, here's here's one of my takeaways, and it's that um, you know they're a storage company and they're playing in the storage space. But and 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 Jeff hinted at this uh, in our conversation. They they have aspirations. I think that go deeper than storage. Uh, I think they they want to look at the the whole data problem that enterprises face, and they see storage as kind of the first phase to going down that road. Now I don't know where they're going, right? But it certainly sounds like that they, they have broader ambitions. Uh, but man, their execution is spot on with, with the momentum numbers they released this week. Well, you know, if you think about it, Steve, it's a, um, you know, in the, the lines between storage and compute and application, I mean, it's, they're all so tightly, I mean, it's all, it's all the same blob now, right? So to speak. It really um, is. And with, and with it all being software defined and even vast approach, while it relies on some hardware characteristics, it's 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 largely a software first approach as well. Yeah. Uh, it, it right. It, it's all about you know the fungible use of, of hardware. Um, well, not even hardware, right? Resources within your data center to solve right. whatever problem we're trying to solve. Yep. I'm excited to see where these guys go. Me too. Who do we have on next time? Do we know? Are we talking security guys? 
we're gonna you know you talk about we've you know we've we've had a lot of different kind of topics and folks on uh we're looking at a guest um we'll keep it kind of a mystery for now in the security space okay um but kind of talking about identity management access management kind of stuff um should be kind of interesting i you know it's it's an area that i never really think about I never really thought about until I started talking to these folks, but, you know, in this API driven world and uh, kind of like how you really manage your data and the security of it. So. All right. That's it for this podcast. See you.